Chapter Thirty of Our Village, Volume One, by Mary Russell Mitford, read by Anne Fletcher, Hobart, two thousand and twenty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Our Village, Volume One, Chapter Thirty, Aunt Martha. One of the pleasantest habitations I have ever known is an old white house built at right angles with the pointed roofs and clustered chimneys of Elizabeth's day covered with roses vines and passion flowers and parted by a green sloping meadow from a straggling picturesque village street in this charming abode resides a more charming family a gentleman polite as all his life in courts had been and good as he the world had never seen two daughters full of sweetness and talent and aunt martha the most delightful of old maids she has another appellation i suppose she must have one but i scarcely know it aunt martha is the name that belongs to her the name of affection such is the universal feeling which she inspires that all her friends all her acquaintances in this case the terms are almost synonymous speak of her like her own family she's everybody's aunt martha and a very charming aunt martha she is first of all she is as all women should be if they can remarkably handsome she may be it's a delicate matter to speak of a lady's age oh, she must be five-and-forty but few beauties of twenty could stand a comparison to her loveliness it is such a fullness of bloom so luxuriating and so satiating just tall enough to carry off the plumpness which at forty-five is so becoming a brilliant complexion curled pouting lips long clear bright grey eyes the colour for expression that which unites the quickness of the black with the softness of the blue a roman regularity of feature and a profusion of rich brown hair such is aunt martha add to this a very gentle and pleasant speech always kind and generally lively the sweetest temper the easiest manner a singular rectitude and singleness of mind a perfect open-heartedness and a total unconsciousness of all of these charms and you will wonder a little that she is aunt martha still i have heard hints of an early engagement broken by the fickleness of man and there is about her an aversion to love in one particular direction the love matrimonial and an overflowing of affection in all other channels that it seems as if the natural course of the stream had been violently dammed up oh she has many lovers admirers i should say for there is amidst her good-humoured gaiety a coyness that forbids their going farther a modesty almost amounting to shyness that checks even the laughing girls who sometimes accuse her of stealing away their bows i do not think any man on earth would tempt her into wedlock it would be a most unpardonable monopoly if any one should an intolerable engrossing of a general blessing a theft from the whole community her usual home is the white house covered with roses and her station in the family is rather doubtful she's not the mistress for her charming nieces are old enough to take and adorn the head of the table nor the housekeeper 
though as she is the only lady of the establishment who wears pockets, those ensigns of authority, the keys will sometimes be found, with other strays, in that goodly receptacle. Nor a guest. Her spirit is too active for that lazy post. Her real vocation, there and everywhere, seems to be comforting, cheering, welcoming and spoiling everything that comes in her way, and above all, nursing and taking care. Of all kind employments, these are her favourites. Oh, the shawlings, the cloakings, the cloggings, the cautions against cold or heat or rain or sun, the remedies for diseases not arrived, colds uncaught and incipient toothaches, rheumatism to come. She loves nursing so well that we used to accuse her of inventing maladies for other people that she might have the pleasure of curing them. And when they really come, as come they will sometimes in spite of Aunt Martha, what a nurse she is! It is worth while to be a little sick to be so attended. All the cousins and cousins' cousins of her connection as regularly send for her on the occasion of her lying in as for the midwife. I suppose she has undergone the ceremony of dandling the baby, sitting up with the new mamma, and dispensing the caudle twenty times at least. She is equally important at weddings or funerals. Her humanity is inexhaustible. She has an intense feeling of fellowship with her kind, and grieves or rejoices in the sufferings or happiness of others, with a reality as genuine as it is rare. Her accomplishments are exactly of this sympathetic order, all calculated to administer much to the pleasure of her companions, and nothing to her own importance or vanity. She leaves to the sirens, her nieces, the higher enchantments of the piano, the harp and the guitar, and that noblest of instruments, the human voice, ambitious of no other musical fame than such as belongs to the playing of quadrilles and waltzes for their little dances, in which she is indefatigable. She neither caricatures the face of man nor of nature under pretence of drawing figures or landscapes but she ornaments the reticules, bell-ropes, ottomans and chair-covers of all her acquaintance with flowers as rich and luxuriant as her own beauty. She draws patterns for the ignorant and works flounces, frills and baby-linen for the idle. She reads aloud to the sick, plays at cards with the old and loses at chess to the unhappy. Her gift in gossiping too is extraordinary. She's a gentle newsmonger, and turns her scandal on the sunny side. But she is an old maid still, and certain small peculiarities hang about her. She's a thorough hoarder. Whatever fashion comes up, she's sure to have something of the sort by her, or at least something thereunto convertible. She's a little superstitious, sees strangers in her teacup, gifts in her fingernails, letters and winding sheets in the candle, and purses and coffins in the fire. Would not spill the salt for all the worlds that one ever has to give, and looks with dismay on a crossed knife and fork. Moreover, she is orderly to fidgetiness. That's her greatest calamity, for young ladies nowadays are not quite so tidy as they should be, and ladies' maids are so much worse. 
and drawers are tumbled and drawing rooms in a litter happy she to whom a disarranged drawer can be a misery dear and happy aunt martha End of chapter 30